Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that connects you to cyclists all over the world and makes indoor training fun. There are structured workouts, training plans that are really easy to follow, online group rides, and why not try a few races? You can also organize a meetup with a bunch of friends. You might just have to make your own coffee at the end. With Zwift, you can even listen to this podcast while you ride around the Champs-Élysées. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me a bit later on in this uh, podcast is uh, Simon Gerrans, but now we will speak. We are speaking to Dave McKenzie. He is on the ground for us. Maka, what a day it was. What a day it was to be on the ground. Yeah, it, it's completely, I think we're all astounded. We're actually, I'm, I'm standing with all of the international media. We're waiting for the riders to come back down, but everyone's in shock <laughs> with what just <laughs> unfolded. And we knew, we knew Vingigo was, you know, is a, is a class rider, but he, effectively in five kilometres, he pulled almost three minutes on Tadej Pogacar. Tadej Pogacar, who you know, in everyone's eyes, was invincible until today. Uh, invincible? I remember I told you, I think Vingegaard's going to win this race. <laughs> you did. You absolutely <laughs> did. You can own that because, uh, but even even with what you said, you know, maybe none of us expected this. Uh, it was a real explosion, wasn't it? And it was hot out there. I can tell you during the stage, it was extremely hot. It's cooled down now, but it's too late, isn't it? It was, you know, the main part of the stage through the valley off the Galibier, the heat was beating off the road. It was, I'd say, in the high, high 30s. And we only, we saw how Warren Bargill really cracked on that last climb. And suddenly, without warning, Pogacar, uh, the same thing happened. Yeah, talk to us about uh, very quickly about, about your day, because you and I have been separated. I mean, one part of the course, you're on the other part. It feels weird, but how did you spend your day? How, how was it to be on the course, on the, on the climbs? Yeah, it was good. I mean, we went out to effectively... Uh, the Col de Lotteray, which is over the other side of the Col de Galibier, so the descent side. It's a side that they'll actually climb back over tomorrow. There was a crowd, big crowd forming there. Um, you know, we did some colour, we did some uh, some tactics pieces there, and then we came back through the valley and just, you know, got a sense of what, what that sort of last 50-odd kilometres was going to be like. It was really hot, as I said, early on in the day, and it stayed warm until about sort of three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, 3.30 p.m. But the crowds were loving it. You know, they really did line the roads and, you know, as everyone would have seen watching the coverage, it was such a monster day, monster, monster day on the bike. Two yes. times, you know, well over 2,000 metres and, of course, the Galibier and then Col de Grignon. Uh, this this uh, climb is a bit of a find, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and it's been it's been a, a just spectacular. We knew it on paper that it was uh, or it could be such a, a monstrous climb, but uh, it definitely delivered. And uh, I think you you said it the word. We're in shock with this. Yeah, well, we all are. I mean, you know, the best the best expert analyst in the world wouldn't have picked that today. Uh, he looked good. He looked good early on, didn't he? He didn't look like he was in problems or in any trouble at all, Pogacar, but he was outnumbered. He was outnumbered for quite a while and he had to cover a number of attacks and eventually that can catch up to you. And look, what he showed is he's human. 
he's still a freak of nature. He's still an incredible athlete, but he is human. And I think quite possibly the heat got the better of him today. He was maybe just slightly underhydrated, probably couldn't get enough food in. And when your body starts to shut down, it's too late. It's too late yeah. to then to get the liquid yeah. in. So it probably didn't matter what he did. Once he'd already cracked, that was it. Race, game over. Yeah, absolutely. And then one last question for you. Bardet, impressive or what? Yeah, he, look, he's great. And I think there's a bunch of those guys, you know, Quintana. I thought Quintana was crazy when he attacked that group while his teammate was still up the road. But Bardet, Quintana, uh, Karen Thomas, you know, how was he yeah. today? I thought he was excellent too. He's just... He's just hanging tough, isn't he? And now he fights for a podium place. And who knows? He could still fight for victory. You just don't know <laughs> what will unfold. We've a yeah. long way to go in this race. There's no guarantees. And we, we say, I say it every year. We've said it on the podcast. There is never, ever any guarantees in the Tour de France. Yeah, absolutely. Makia, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are now going to debrief this full podcast. Uh, I thought it was important to catch the vibe from someone, from yourself, that have been on the road on this uh, particular day for this Tour de France. And as promised, I am now joined with uh, Simon Guerin. Simon, you commentating on the stage. Uh, it's a bit of an historic time, I guess. Oh, this is going to be one of those Tour de France stages that goes down in history. The fact that we see Jonas Vingegaard take his first stage win of the Tour de France in such emphatic fashion and a yellow jersey as well. Like this is really setting the tone for the rest of the tour. Let's debrief a little bit of what happened and how it played out because starting the day, we thought the Pog was almost invincible. I think the whole of the paddock, everyone would think uh, Pogacar was uh, probably invincible again in this year. Jumbo, they really went with a plan and they executed it very well. Oh, they certainly did. I think in the last two and a half editions of the Tour de France, so two prior to this one and up until now, we haven't really seen Tata Bogaccia show any cracks. And today it all unraveled for him. And I think that's due to the fact accumulative fatigue in the first 11 days of the tour and the fact that he was isolated and he was isolated because of the great work of Jumbo Visma. They threw everything at him today and it worked for them. If we look back at, at this, the, the, the UAE team as well was there for Pogacar for a little while. Micah did a great job, but it was just not enough. No, it wasn't enough. And there was one point there, I think there were four or five riders from Jumbo Visma and there was maybe one or two there from UAE team members. They just had the majority in numbers and they used that to their advantage. They were attacking him one by one on the Glibier and then they had they had numbers to ride into the final of the Granon. So you think that UAE team Emirates did everything they could, they just didn't have the strength. The fact they've already lost two riders due to due to COVID is a big blow for that team. But I also think they've tried to do way too much so far in this Tour de France. Before we talk about Vingegaard and that fantastic victory, uh, Pogacar today it's almost he has to learn to lose because uh, he's never really lost anything on the Tour de France. But this now is a new phase, a new mental uh, aspect for him. How does, he, how does he cope with something like this? Well, I think Ted Bagace, he's a fighter. He's a competitor. So I think he's not going to give up on his hopes of winning this Tour de France because he lost the yellow jersey today. I think now we're going to see a fantastic battle on our hands of Ted Bagace trying to make up time on Vingegaard. So... This is a new experience for him at the Tour de France, but I think he's a guy who loves to attack, who loves to race. We see him attacking even in the yellow jersey and trying to pick up time wherever he can. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the next 10 days. If we talk about uh, Vingegaard and actually uh, Jumbo Visma, they went on the attack straight away with Van Aert. Kilometer zero, Van Aert went poof, with uh, Van der Poel. How significant was that move for the rest of what unfolded? 
during the day? Well, I think that just set the tone for the day. The fact that Van Aert went from kilometer zero, he had Mathieu van der Poel on his wheel. The two of them went off the front. They were joined by Catania, and then they were joined by a big group. And in that big group was Christophe Laporte. So at that point, Jumbo Visma had two riders in the front. I knew they were really intent on doing something because then they were still attacking behind. They were still trying to get away with Nathan Van Hooydonk and Tish Bernut. So they weren't just happy with two off the front. They wanted to put more off the front. So that's when I knew they were going to be up to something. They had a big plan for today's stage. Eventually, it was only well, Van Aert out front. Christophe Laporte, he got caught across the top of the telegraph. But when he got caught, it was Primoz Roglic that was attacking across to him to put Tata Bogaccia under pressure from a long way to go on the stage. So really, they did everything they could. They used their entire team, and it paid, and it paid off for them. So how do they defend from now? Uh, it's still a very long way to Paris. Uh, there's going to be a lot of attacking, a lot of defending for them. What's the plan, do you think? Well, already tomorrow's stage. We thought today's stage was hard. There were two horse cat climbs. Tomorrow, there's three, starting with the Glibier. So it's a huge day in the Tour de France tomorrow. And I think in advantage for, for Vingegaard, he has the strongest team in the race. He has the most guys able to stay in the front for as long as possible. So if they want to ride defensively, they have the team to do it. But I also think Vingegaard, if he senses an opportunity, he will try and drive this advantage home that he has. He only has a couple of minutes. And you can, you can see today, one bad day on one summit finish, and it all can, all can unravel. So I think he needs to really drive this advantage home when he can. It's a bit like we've seen a bit of old-fashioned racing. We haven't seen this for a long time. This, this is not coming back in the front of the scene. Well, I'm not sure how old-fashioned it is because we have seen such controlled racing the, the last few years. So it is so good to see attacking the lead-changing hands, different riders coming forward, different riders exploding. Um, I think the fact that the fa- first part of the tour has been so fast and so hard, and we've seen so many attacks that this is why it's starting to unravel already in the second week. Let's listen now to uh, the winner of the stage, Jonas Vingegaard. I think, uh, yeah, it's it's really incredible. Uh, it's hard for me to put words on. Uh, yeah, this is what I dreamt of. Always uh, stays in the tour and. Uh, now the yellow jersey is incredible. It went exactly as planned. It was a, a real masterpiece for the team. Yes! <laughs> well, yeah, we just saw you with your teammates. Uh, wow, it, it was a, a, a team masterpiece as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, we made a plan from, from the start of the day. And uh, I guess obviously you could see what the plan was. We wanted to make a, a super hard race we thought it was in my favor and in the favor of primos and uh, yeah i mean what i took a lot of time today but i would never have done that without my teammates i really have to thank all of them they uh, they were all incredible strong today and uh, I would never have done with this without them. Now let's talk about the French. We have to talk about the French. Uh, it was a good day for the French. Brian Barguil, most combative, but uh, he did a good display on the day. Shame he could not just sustain to the end. But uh, I mean, that was Arkea did a very good job as a whole team with Quintana. But Bar- uh, Barguil did really good. Our buggy was great today. It was so good to see him back out the front. It was like we turned the clock back a few years. Well, I think it was 2017 where Bargill won two stages and the polka dot jersey. So he's back on the attack today. He led the break over the cross of the Glibier, across the top of the Glibier. So he was great there. But I think the fact that he was on his own for so long between the Glibier and the Granon really, really paid 
pay, he paid the price for that on the final climb of the day. But he fought all the way to the line. So it was a great day for, for Bargill, most combative of the stage. So he really earned that. And then Akaya Samsik, also Quintana, looking really strong on the final climb. Very controlled, and he rode a great climb all the way to the finish line. Let's talk about uh, Romain Bardet. Uh, I thought he was impressive today. He was solid, staying with the group, and he attacked perfectly well. That attack was sharp. Yeah, the attack was good. I was in touch with uh, Romain Bardet on the rest day, actually, and he's like really happy with how much he was going so far, feeling really good. So I was anticipating big things from Bardet in the Alps. But today, having the confidence to attack the yellow jersey, and he was one of the first to attack the yellow jersey. So feeling good, now he's moved up to second on GC. He's not riding GC. I think he might be riding GC. I'm not sure if, did he say he's not riding GC before the tour? Well, if he's not, he should be. Yeah, the team said, no, he's he's here, but he's not riding GC. He's not riding, he definitely is riding GC. Yeah, he's absolutely riding GC. But now he finds himself in a great position. Like we said, big stage tomorrow. So if uh, Bardet's feeling good, more opportunity to take time. Uh, What can we say about the Aussies today? Uh, How how did they fare? What what happened on the the field? Well, from an Aussie perspective today, we saw a really strong Michael Storer. He was there with Gordou right to the final climb. So, he played a really important team role. We also saw Chris Hamilton riding really strongly in support of Romain Bardet most of the way up the Glibier. So these two Aussie mountain domestiques doing a brilliant job. Absolutely. And then Ineos as well. Uh, Geraint Thomas is back to almost his best. Yeah, well, Geraint Thomas, the strongest rider of the Ineos Grenadiers team. So clear, he's the clear leader of that team now. Adam Yates also strong. Tom Pidcock, great effort. Uh, he was uh, off the back early on in the Glibier fought his way back to be back in the front group for the Granon and then chased it all the way to the line. So lost a bit, a bit, little bit of time, but all in all, Ineos Grenadier still leading the team's classification and still have three riders placed really well. All in all, all, in all this will uh, be remembered as a, one of the greatest stages that we had in the last few years. Yeah, this is this is one been one of the epic stages uh, of the Tour de France that I ever remember watching. Um, so only a short stage, 150 kilometers. But with two horse category climbs and, and going up the finish on, on the Granon that hasn't been used since 1986, I think it threw really something different in the tour. So it was a great day. This proves that uh, when we've been banging about it for a long time, but shorter stage, dynamic stage, this is what the public wants. This is what the racing wants. Yeah, I think these short stages, they race aggressively from start to finish. Big, long mountain stages that are 200-odd kilometres that go for seven hours, not as interesting. I think it's hard to engage the audience for that long. There's... In a short stage, there's no lull in the middle of the stage. As soon as the breakaway is established, then there's a chase on, and then there's attacks for the final. So it was a stage that had everything. Yeah, let's talk about the stage tomorrow because Alpe d'Huez. Alpe d'Huez is the big one uh, of this tour. It's, it's, a, it's a stage that has also been very anticipated on the back of an incredible stage uh, today. Uh, what do you make of the stage tomorrow? Oh. And Bastille Day too, Christophe. So the pub, this is the big day in France, the day that all the French riders dream of winning on Bastille Day in the Tour de France and to be on the iconic finish of Alpe d'Huez where we see the biggest crowds in all of all the Alpine stages. So tomorrow is shaping up to be a huge day. Going to be a challenging day for the sprinters to survive because from Briançon start, they climb straight up the Glibier. So that's going to be really tough. The real thing, you, you worked in a, in a French team. Uh, was that a particular moment being Bastille Day on the Tour de France? Did the team just go a little bit neater, a little bit tighter? Absolutely. Your pre-race meeting on Bastille Day had that bit more energy to it in a French team. It was a team. It was a day that everybody in France watches the Tour de France on Bastille Day. You see the crowds on the side of the road in tomorrow's stage so much bigger than in, in any other stage. Um, so being a part of that in a French team, they all rise to the occasion. Yeah. So what can happen actually tomorrow? 
I think we're going to see a great battle. I think we're going to see now UAE Team Emirates really attacking, really trying to push Jumbo Visma. Um, we're going to have to see a big ride by Youngest Fingergal to, to back up his work from today. And I think there'll be a huge number of riders, great climbers that have lost time on the general classification, looking for an opportunity to get in a breakaway. So it's going to be a brilliant stage. Do you think the breakaway can survive or can we see a battle for GC to the finish line? I think the breakaway can survive tomorrow. I think Jumbo Visma now, they're in the position where they're defending the, the yellow jersey. They don't need to bring it back together for for a stage for the to go for the stage win. I think they can let the breakaway have plenty of time, but it's going to have to be a strong breakaway. Normally, when Macad does this podcast, he gives me some names so I can do some good tipping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to borrow for the breakaway, the brilliant climbers that have lost time, uh, good GC riders are out of contention, and there are a lot already from today. My dark horse for tomorrow's stage. Obviously, Thibaut Pinot is going to be really going for it. I think Mike Woods can be another shout for, for a, a stage victory. Um, there are so many good climbers. You've caught me off guard. I can't think of any more at the moment. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for coming in. Pleasure, Christoph. Thank you. Uh, this was the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before you go, uh, bef- uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until the uh, next podcast, same place, same time tomorrow, it's bye for now.